0: Welcome once again to EVE Online Talking in Stations. I am Matt Arall, News Chief at TheMatani.com. Talking in Stations is a show about EVE Online and what goes on in the game. We have a great show for you tonight with our usual panel of experts and uh, today we have a very special guest, Steven Mesner, who is an author and writer, freelance uh, journalist and usually in games and entertainment, so that will be very exciting. So let's get uh, right to it uh, and have some introductions from the people themselves, uh, Ashtarathi.
1: Hey, I am Ash Rothy of Hydrostatic and High Drag Podcasts, as well as Talking in Stations, and I am acting commander of Aderon
2: Robotics.
3: Uh Jordan Trevier, I'm with uh, Multiplex Gaming in the Bastion and also do Open Com Show on Thursday nights.
2: Hey, I'm Rebra, I station trade and I write some articles for TMC. Excellent, Dirk.
4: Hey what's up? It's uh, Dirk McGurk from the Open Com Show, uh, member of Sniggardly and Pandemic Legion
0: now. Great. So, before we get to Stephen, I want to introduce uh, another person who's going to be joining us uh, often, hopefully, is Marconius Porkbutt, the CEO of KarmaFleet. Hey, it's Marconius. Um, yeah, I don't
5: know if I have to really introduce myself. I think you did it. No. Oh.
0: <laughs> okay, and our guest today is uh, author, a writer, freelance writer, usually for gaming magazines, is Stephen Messner. Uh, We're really happy to have him on the show. He's uh, also an Eve player. Steven, can you tell us about yourself?
6: Yeah, uh, hey, I'm Steven Messner. I'm a a freelance writer for lots of different websites, uh, primarily video games like PC Gamer, Rock Paper Shotgun. Um, I've written for a lot of other places, but those are the places I'm most uh, common at. And um, yeah, a lot of the stuff that I write is actually Eve related. and yeah, I've been playing EVE for about five years. I'm currently unaffiliated uh, because you got to have that media unbiased. Um, but uh, yeah, when I am playing EVE, when I do have time for it, I usually uh, like to dig around in wormholes. Oh, awesome.
5: This is like as close as I get to having a drink with you in a while. Oh, You're
1: a making guy. me sad. Vegas. So, uh, Port, um, did you read my my Goon's History article? Um, I'm not a
5: goon. I mean, I like the name goon. Like, I like calling myself a goon, but I'm not like a goon. Dude. Never went to SA and did all that. Like, I tried to be a goon when I was in college, like back in 2005. And my roommate wouldn't let me because he said that be joining just to be a goon, and he wouldn't vouch me or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was a jerk. Um, went to high school with him too. Like. Totally you, you puppy too, bastard. Yeah, I was a puppy bastard, even though I'd known him for like five years at this point.
0: All right, well, we're off to a late start, a few technical problems, sorry about that. We don't know if it was us or the site, but something went wrong, and we're glad you're with us. So let's get started with the show. Uh, Stephen, you wrote an article recently that um, talked about casinos and the war, and uh, was a pretty good read. A lot of people read it um, on both sides and had different reactions, and they were kind of cut along the lines of what side of the war you were on. Yeah. Can uh, you talk about that article?
6: Yeah. So like you said, I I wrote an article. um, So Rock Paper Shotgun uh, is a a UK gaming blog that's uh, PC focused. And they wrote this fantastic article uh, by uh, an author called Brennan Caldwell um, called like a war in space. And it was uh, an article really kind of breaking down how this war started, the motivations behind the bankers who triggered the whole thing. And it was a really fantastic piece, but it was also um, pretty heavily slanted towards um money badger side of the thing, uh, of things. I don't think Matani even was quoted directly in the article. Um, and so when that article came out, I was talking with my editors at the time. I was in FanFest or at FanFest. Um, and I was there and pitching articles and stuff like that. And my editor asked me if I would write an article um, kind of diving into the Imperium side of the conflict and kind of talking about some of their opinions on what's been happening in EVE lately. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, I knew it was going to be a very contentious article from the get go. Uh, obviously, this is a heated conflict and people have have their opinions on things, and I, that's that's great. That's exactly what I wanted was to kind of open up a discussion there um, and and address some things. And it's been a, it's always interesting writing Eve articles uh, and having yep. Eve players read them.
0: So this was actually a counter article to uh, uh, another article that was uh, that came out before.
6: Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it a counter, but it was just us letting the Imperium, like letting the Imperium have their say. And obviously, this is a huge, complicated issue and um, a war in space. The Brennan Caldwell article uh, really sort of had like a story to follow, um, where mine kind of honed in on. I, I decided I made the call to kind of hone in on one specific issue, which is. Um, are the banks in EVE Online, or are, are the casinos in EVE Online um, unhealthy for the economy because of the amount of money that they can generate and the amount of political power that they can then wield from that? Um, and it was something I wanted to talk about. And obviously, Alex uh, the Matani had some really interesting opinions to share, but then I also wanted to talk to Lenny Kravitz too and let him get his say as well.
0: Well, one thing uh, Matani didn't share that a lot of people brought up as a criticism is the Imperium actually tried to have a casino of their own It didn't get off the ground for whatever reason and that – so it wasn't too evil back then. (laughs)
6: <laughs> and you know what that's i think that's a totally fair uh criticism i actually did bring it up with him and we did talk about it um the reason why i, I didn't end up quoting him in it and this is something that i think um you know it, it's fair for people to have criticisms on it because it, it almost comes down to when you're writing an article you really have to choose what adds to an article and, and what subtracts from an article and the matani's quotes for it were pretty insubstantial they were just sort of um he said that they found a better way of making money at the time and they didn't really focus on it and Obviously, you know, people have their own spin on it because a lot of the comments I was reading were people saying, well, it's and Lenny Kravitz actually mentioned it in the article. So it it was in the article. Um, But Lenny Kravitz was saying that that's not the case. What actually happened was the Imperium had built such a a nasty reputation that no one really wanted to trust them with a gambling website. Um, And so that's why Evening Games Club didn't take off.
0: That's hilarious. I have one last question. Sure. And that, you brought up something that was really interesting, and that is they decided to, they found a different way to make money. <laughs> and that to me is what is so interesting about this whole thing that, you know, they were evolving into a better and better plan until they formed the Imperium, which was the best plan possible because they held the most amount of space most securely. So at the time, they had kind of figured out how to secure themselves. And at the same time, there was this other thing developing that wasn't even war-oriented and that was the plan to make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that plan kind of was like, say, the atomic bomb compared to the radar. So whatever you decided to like research and whatever model you decided to use to make the war machine, those – it's funny. It's like it, 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 one idea eclipsed the other that it really kind of had nothing to do with war in the first place.
6: Yeah, like it's it's almost fascinating to me to think that, um, you know, months ago these types of decisions were being made and nobody could understand the type of ripples of consequence that they would create years down the line, which is like, oh, you know, whether or not people actually didn't trust the the casino or or whether or not they actually just chose to shut it down because they wanted to focus on something else. um, That's up for debate. That's fine. But just the fact that they were focusing on this and then they decided to shift their efforts elsewhere. And now this has come back, you know, years later and, and kind of bit them in the ass is kind of like i mean who could have seen that coming yeah it's so interesting
5: what did you guys think of of the article i think it's kind of funny that uh, like on that point we actually try a lot of different things all the time you know like as an organization in space and actually in tmc as well but um we try things all the time that don't work or they don't um they're not worth the effort and we just stop doing them necessarily end up being because like it's you know an incomprehensive failure and how could we ever think about like ever doing that and it's just yeah we're gonna go on to something else and um not spend our time with this anymore right. uh, so that's i think a lot of what the evening games club was it was just sort of like it was going to be more um work than what we wanted to initially put into it and we we're actually really lazy people so it kind of makes sense <laughs>
1: Right. There, there's also a bigger question, which is that, you know, like we have a bunch of people with a lot of money in the game, right? Like the banking or the, the I want isk is not the only way to generate ridiculous amounts of funds. Right. So the question really then becomes, what are, do people do with their trillions of isk? Yeah, and that's something well, I'm intensely
4: curious about: is
6: where does all that money go? Does most it of them the swim water? around,
4: you know. Yeah, swim around in it, right? It's the yeah, Scrooge yeah. McDuck pile of gold. <laughs> <think>, yeah, <you>
1: know, <laughs> right. I think up what, it, uh, no. I, up until this point, it's always been kind of a joke, right? Like, oh, I've got five trillion isk. Oh, I've got eleven trillion isk. Well, at that point, it becomes ridiculous, right? But now they've right. shown that that you can do you can change the face of the entire game with eleven trillion isk. Right. Yeah, but
0: it's kind of like the mafia, right? Because uh, they're they're okay quietly making money, but now they've kind of put their foot in it, uh, and now everybody's looking at it, including this article. And it's like I said, it's kind of like the Teflon Don who came out and became you know this you know superhero or whatever, and he brought a lot of attention to something that needed to stay underground in order to survive.
6: That's exactly right. And so like I've I've brought this up to Lenny Kravitz. I was like, do you feel like you crossed a line in doing what you what you did? And he kind of just admitted that yeah, like this is something that's sort of unheard of. And we've sort of in a in a sense, we've changed the political game of Eve Online, um, where it's suddenly like, oh damn, like we need to worry about bankers now because if they have certain affiliations or they're appeased, uh, who knows what they could do. And um, in that article, Lenny has a great counterpoint to that, which is that these casinos are fundamentally businesses like they're consumer businesses. And so they need to have, um, they need to do what's best for their customers always. And so if they are going and picking sides and fights and, and you know, pushing their weight around, they also risk alienating large portions of their customer base and then losing money in the long term because of it. And I think that's a really fair argument um, on why these casinos maybe aren't super overpowered. But
0: I don't know. I think like you know, gambling works on a different level. It's um, yeah, people don't gamble to win money. Let's let's put it that way. They gamble to soothe themselves. It's a whole. It's you know, they're
1: tapping into a reward system. That's why they do it. Right. Well, again, um, it, it just becomes it becomes a new consequence for ridiculous amounts of wealth, right? Like because there's the the guy who did the Titan scam, and he t- he scammed like five trillion isk or whatever it was, and it's like, oh well, he now just has infinite wealth, but now it's almost like a dirty bomb out there, right? Like there's an individual who could literally just do whatever he wants. Well, he can't. They explained that he
0: has to convince certain mercenaries to actually go to war with people they don't like. And at the end of the day, it's kind of like the mercenaries really have the say so on who gets killed and who doesn't because they're the ones you know, that have the guns.
4: Well, I mean, you know, again, going back to the whole idea of there was always big money in the game. Somebody out there was rich before, right? Now, you know, traditionally it was it was some of these mega alliances, right? The people who controlled the moon goo, um, they were the ones with the big money. Not to say that there weren't some individuals out there as well who made, you know, who made trillions off of being good with the market. With um, their
0: own personal moon.
4: Well, you know, you know, you know but a lot you know, there are a lot of people out there that nobody knows anything about you know that that are just moguls in in what it is they do with the markets right but right. those are not probably the people that are going to go out there and do something like this then there's all the history with uh, casinos aren't something new right i mean you, you we can go back to summer blank but but if you go back to summer blank the idea god the idea back then was a lot of the public out there didn't quite like it. I mean, there was, you know, up, you know, uproars that occurred over, over favoritism between CCP and Summer Blink, the whole Ishikon Watch Scorpion uh, scandal and things like that. Right. And, you know, you had CSM members, you know, who led the pitchfork charge um, that, you know, that really ended up bringing down that, you know, the, that site, which then went into the whole scramble on, on um, other people out there saying, "Well, what can we recreate?" You know, look at right. how successful he was. What can we recreate? So now we've got a number of casinos out there, and you know, yeah, there's again, a power vacuum. You know, and again, going back into kind of the history of it, um, they were benevolent, right? The you know, the you know, these these casinos were were doing things for marketing purposes. They were the guys behind, um, you know, putting out Titans for Titan Kill events and you know things like that. Nobody ever saw them as using their money for, you know, well, uh, you know a, a, as a weapon.
0: But right. it wasn't benevolence. It was they were making – they were using their money in-game, which is nothing, right? It's just money in a game mm-hmm. to generate traffic for their thing, whatever it was, it was uh, website. Yeah, and the gen- generation of traffic is real money through advertising, okay. I guess.
1: Not that but, much, but it is. But what you saw – what we've now seen potentially is a shift from uh, – Hey, I'm going to show off how, how much money I have by donating to this charity or by sponsoring this thing. And now they have a new avenue, which is that I'm going to be put my, force myself into the forefront because I'm going to take over all the headlines because I've, you know made this giant change to the game.
6: Yeah, and that's exactly what's happened, too. Like, it was incredible seeing the level of mainstream media publicity that Lenny and some of the other bankers were getting. Like, Polygon was writing articles about them. Like, all of these websites were talking about these guys specifically. And in a like in a very real sense, I kind of feel like they've become the new gods of Eve Online because they just
0: – yeah. Like, well, they uh... – they seem to be very prepared to claim that throne because there was some consistency among their articles. I think they did us you know, like did did a press run basically. <laughs> basically.
3: Well, oh, go ahead, go ahead.
6: Oh, all I was going to say is something that I found really intensely interesting is when I was doing research on this article and I was going back in a lot of the threads I was looking at um, on our Eve specifically and going back, you know, years even um, when. It's so fascinating the I feel the publicity shift that I one I has gotten over the years because you go back and there are these articles when there was some, you know, first wave of banker bans and things like that. And almost the entire tone of this article is incredibly negative. And everyone's talking about how awful I1i is, how they're so sick of them spamming local, all of these things. Like people just, you get the sense that they just really didn't like I want isk, And then you go on the front page now, like in the last week, and there's an article that's like, thank you, Lenny. And everyone's just <laughs> like, cheering and heroes like, of the revolution. <laughs> it's so weird how these guys have managed to sort of shift their uh, public perception and now they're like heroes exactly. Let me,
4: but, how, but how real world is that though, right? Because you know, you yeah, you, know, you get the people out there that don't like the 1%, right? They don't yeah. like bankers, right? Unless they're George Soros who's giving money to some progressive cause, you know, like Code Pink totally. or something like that, right? And then all of a sudden that rich guys the one they like.
6: Yeah, and they've won so much goodwill from people by being guys who kicked down the Imperium. Um, And now, like, it's just, like, that was sort of the crux of the article, is in doing so, like, I get it, people really don't like the Imperium, that's fine. But in, in, in your... Um, excitement to see them fall are you getting in bed with like something a little bit more dangerous than a Matani, who kind of just sits in his section of space um, and sort of is still bound by the the rules of the game in a way because the Matani has to operate with you know he has logistics that he has to account for mm-hmm. and all of these things he's
0: from Dre- an Dre- empire Drayden's next, go ahead. Uh,
3: well, I was just going to say, because uh, they were talking about how they try to keep it on a business standpoint where, they, you know, not taking sides. They obviously took a side in this war. <laughs> right. And they, they chose the right side because, the, you know, their publicity was really good for it. Um, uh, so they're really smart in, in doing that. But at the same time, if they keep picking sides in wars. They'll no longer have that unbiased, neutral standpoint of the casinos. So by them being possibly this, this new threat, or I guess you could say, by having this mass amount of wealth that they can use to influence wars. But if influencing the wars could put them on the wrong side at times, do you think that they're going to continue to do that, or is this a one-time thing?
1: Well, I mean, I think that if they're really smart, they'll just carve a piece of territory for themselves, so that way they've got a position on the sob map, and then generally... They Just don't want that They
0: don't want anything to do with the game in that sense. I don't think. Like, even, do you guys I don't see like, how ridiculous
5: see them. this is? Though, like, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about basically Eve Online being a mini game about spaceships in space, and the meta game of Eve that moves the spaceships around is a game of hasn't it always been that way. <laughs> banking websites. Oh well. well no, it, I mean, like, there's no way that you can like. There's no way. Even with numerous regions, you can generate the wealth needed to run a large-scale war and spend the amount of money that they spent on this war um, and the whole Money Badger Coalition thing. Like Goonswarm spent 700 bill in the entire Fountain War of 2013. Granted, there were not really that many capital whelps or any major super capital fights at all. But that was like the entire war. You know, the fountain of war battle of BTAC R was 11 trill. Like, basically, he spent BTAC R's worth of ISK and he had that personally. Yeah. To spend. yeah. <laughs> and that's crazy to me. Like, I play the meta game. Like, I sit up there right next to Matani and we're looking at each other, and it's like the only thing we can do is start thinking of ways to make money out of game with people's in-game money. And that's ridiculous. And I think, Stephen, in your article, you asked CCP Seagull at Vegas, like, what do you think about this direction for the game? And I thought she had a really coward-ass answer for it. Like, she said – um, you know, we don't want to get involved with the politics and the player base and all this other shit. And well, I was like, "Well, you're the creator of the game; like, <laughs> you can definitely have the ability to get involved. If anyone like, can get
6: involved. It should be you." No. So her answer is the type of CCP Seagull is a fantastic person to interview because she can shut down any answer she wants, and those weren't even true. the toughest questions I asked. Um, And you know, like, she's good on her. She should be proud. She is someone that you can put in front of media, and they will grill her, and she will like grace answer all of their questions without actually answering them, um, but which well, is good for PR. But her answer specifically, I can actually sympathize with their position, though, because how do you... Make a change in Eve Online without also making some sort of commentary on one side or the other when it becomes a political issue, and that's the problem I think that we're seeing. And that's something that I found very striking about the reception to this article, especially on our Eve, was um, people were unable to divorce the arguments from the political implications that they had. But
5: I mean, politics aside, like there's a mechanical thing in the game that you cannot replicate. Like, you cannot no, and I replicate in game like what they are doing to generate isk and it's all done out of game and so from that standpoint alone like there's no way
0: you can do that um and have that valid in my opinion like i mean it's just there's not well not a, the, the only thing else. you can't actually counter-attack that either except to discredit it
5: Right, and so like, what what's gonna happen is like, Goonswarm is gonna create some kind of thing that nobody will connect to Goonswarm, and it'll be run by like three people that know about it, and it'll be like this new up and coming gambling site that has more fun games than i1s does, and then it generates a shitload more money than i1s eventually, and like, that's the that's the metagame. In arms I, I, I hate but that. Like, I, like, so that I- makes me not want to play Eve because it's not about spaceships at that point. It's about creating websites and web development and writing code and like creating all these mini games for your fucking casino. So the, I
4: strongly I mean, the disagree war itself with didn't that. Cost, didn't, didn't cost all this, right? I mean, apparently yeah, I it was the next. motivational factor, you know, So and sorry, Ash, I didn't, I, I didn't no, mean to no, jump no, there. But it. It, it, apparently it was the motivating factor to get people off their ass to actually commit to a war of the scale that they thought they were going to have to commit to. But big wars have happened in the past without somebody having to, you know, a more just to motivate people than the actual war was going to cost
1: right so so the big thing and to bounce off of that uh point the thing that's important to remember is that fountain was lost because uh the cfc or the imperium i can't remember what they called i think they were still the cfc at that point um understood the economics of war better than test and managed to bankrupt them and therefore if these big power players were going to strike against the CFC as another time, they had to fix that money problem. And so I think that the ISK or the idea of – what's interesting is, is that they almost didn't need a bank roller. Um, in fact, one of the questions that I asked to Eep when he first was there was, if you pull the money out, are you even going to tell anyone? Because the illusion of funding was almost as good as actual funding um, uh, for, for a lot of people. It was, in fact, unifying force. And I think, going back to what CCP Siegel said, it's really important to remember that this is a single event. And there have been lots of single events in EVE. And, in fact, uh in particular, has utilized their unique resources a la ridiculous amounts of people in order to perform feats in Eve that no one else could accomplish. Uh, the ice interdiction, burning Jita, all these kinds of things are are pretty good examples, which there were very little counterplay besides just riding through the storm. They exercised their will and they were able to perform those tasks. But then the question is what comes next, which is what we're kind of discussing here now, right? Like Mm. if, if the bankers then just start running around and, and ruining the otherwise, you know, good sec meta, which A, not really, and B, I don't think they're going to do that, then yes, you have a significant problem. If what you have is an Imperium that has gotten really, really big and, and pissed off a lot of freaking people, and I want ISK was merely the flash in the, in the powder that caused it all to ignite, then... Making a strong action against them would be a political action and potentially a mistake. It's better but, to let this play out and then see where the next phase leads us to. I, uh,
0: Stephen, uh, I'll go to you next. But I have one thing to counter that because the costs of war are. I mean, the thing about it is that everything that Goonswarm has done was in the game, like. Yeah, maybe not the spy game, but that's part of the metagame, and everybody knows that's okay, but you can attack them back. I mean, even that's not really okay. Like, a lot of the stuff that happens in the spy game, something that
5: should not happen. For... Uh, or are you but
0: condemning it? Are you really condemning it? Good.
5: If... Yeah, I am condemning it. Like it, It's just a dirty fucking game. Like, I'm having more fun doing other things right now.
0: But well, you're saying Sorry. that the... But the, but, the, but Goon Swarm was famous for... Uh, their metagame of you know spying and stuff like that.
5: Yeah, I think the myth is famous. I, I think that the actuality of it is pretty sparse. Yeah. Uh,
0: the other thing I wanted to bring in, if I could, and this might redirect it a little bit, is um, again the comparison of the money making. You know, if it happens in the game, it seems like that's legitimate. Wealth building in the game seems legitimate. Um, because that's part of the war machine that you built. You know, you captured those moons, they're generating income. You got the people to work for you in the ratting mines. That's legitimate. And the other thing that's legitimate is something we'll talk to later in the second part of the show, but I want to bring in Rivera to talk about this, because it seems like maybe the new way to make gazillions of dollars is to put up your citadel and to leech off of Jida. It seems like that's the, you know, offshore uh, tax shelters might be a new thing, but that seems like it's in the game opposed to outside the game
2: yeah i i think that's uh whether it stays a, a niche thing like it is now or whether it becomes widespread but yeah that's inside the game so i think people are less uh split about whether it's uh, legit or not than they are about the i want isk thing
0: because that seems to be generating a, t- a ton of income and again we'll come back to that topic um I did want to go back to Marconius. I think you made some pretty big revelations there. And that's saying, do you think that it was illegitimate for uh, Goon Swarm uh, and the Imperium, I guess, at large to like to jump into these spy games? Did it get a little bit too dirty?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think like with with everything, there's sort of like the reality and then like the illusion of reality. And so part of the thing that I find with like the spy game, because I mean, that's what I've been doing since... Um, I was in Brave and then I've got roped into doing it again in Goonstorm is is you have things that you can legitimately spy on in game, right? Like you have you have like emails that you can intercept like from the Eve API, you can look at corp chat, alliance chat, you can listen into what people are saying on comms or what their external services are doing, but then like you start getting into this whole other element that you know you see people cross and, and that's when when they
0: you know, check out your Facebook
5: yeah, people start like checking out who you are in real life and talking to you in different games. You know, like look getting your BattleNet ID and your Steam ID and like coming up and talking to you like in World of Warcraft, like while you're doing a raid. Like, you know, LOL noob, why are you still with Goonswarm? Like, what the fuck, you know? And that's kind of like one of the things where it's like that's way too far, um, and people have a perception that that's okay because Goonswarm sort of perpetrated the myth of what was possible in the spy game and to a large extent we just embraced that because it made us look really good right like we did all this stuff and we won and it was underhanded but we won anyway but um whether we did or didn't do those things is kind of lost in the whole you know pandora's box that it opened yeah. and, and so you- yeah like there's there's a lot of stuff that i wish we could just do in the game like eve to me is in like Infecting too much of my personal life, and I want it to just like stay in the game at this point. So like, I, I love I think, hanging out with people and meeting can I, people in real life. But so I did. It just lo- needs to stay.
6: Yeah. yeah, I did a lot of interviews for this article, and I ended up having to not use a lot of them because, um, like, I wanted to tell the goons form story and like a little bit of behind the curtain with writing. It can be really tricky sometimes because you want to touch on every single issue, but then you also can't write a novella of what's been happening on goonsform lately that's too bad. Like Forty thousand words um I, I
0: don't know books books have been written i like I would, and I would write
6: that book but i'm not getting paid to write that
0: book so I, like, <laughs> yeah. you know at a certain point let's do a kickstarter yeah there you go um
6: <laughs> so but i did all these interviews and i, I one of the people i talked to was the big red boat and i think people um have a lot of opinions about that person but he said something to me that i thought was um <clears throat> incredibly intelligent. And he said, you can't say that Eve is real and then be surprised when people bring their real lives into the game. And I thought that that was a really valid point to make, which is that when you say that like Eve, everything you do in Eve matters, it's real. You're investing real human hours into it. You're giving up days of your lives to to do these things in the game. And then people are finding ways, like people are looking at your Facebook and stuff like that. It's awful. I'm not condoning it by any means, but I'm saying there's a part of me that it thinks like, yeah, like, create sort of this very slippery slope, and it's really hard to draw lines for some people, which is like.
0: Yeah, because you can leverage in your real life abilities to this game. You can, yes. if you you have Excel skills, those are going to pay off. If you're a performer, look at us here. <laughs> you know, that's going to pay right. off. Right. Uh, everything you do, know, if nobody you.
1: Nobody pays me shit to do this. If you <laughs> can
0: sing. <laughs> you're not getting paid? All oh. that adoration in the chat, that's all your payment. That's fair. Um, yeah, but if you can sing, you know, if you can do anything, you can leverage that into the game. So then where is the the wall to say, you can do that. That's okay. In fact, that's really cool. Right. But don't go looking at somebody's Facebook.
6: Right. Like, yeah, where do you draw the line where you've put too much of yourself into the game or you've brought too much of yourself into the game? And it's it's kind of – it's a weird thing. like. It's yeah. a real nasty issue. And so, yeah, if you're talking about, you know, kind of the spy metagame and where it can lead, it can get real gross. Um, I saw CCP Manifest said something in the chat that I wanted to address. I saw him. that too. Go ahead. Uh, so he said uh, he wondered if people still would. That an interesting point to bring up. and I, wanted I think, to talk about Sorry, I think
0: you strobed. Can you restate the question? You strobed a little bit.
6: Oh, okay. Uh, So I'll quote him directly. He said, I'm wondering uh, if I, when I had bankrolled both sides, if people would still think it felt dirty, sort of like how special interest groups pay money to all candidates. Um, And I think one of the big mistakes that I want ISK made in this conflict was they got involved almost too heavy handedly because... and this is maybe something that we can talk about with how banks and casinos affect the metagame, which is that Iowanisk almost funded too much money onto one side and we didn't get a good fight. Like, people were pretty upset that I said this in the article, but I really feel like this war has been a huge disappointment. Like, MTACO was a fantastic fight. We had a few other good ones. But largely, like, I think everyone was excited for this conflict of the century and instead Goonswarm kind of just folded in on itself and, and pieced out to Losec. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that how do you even fight yeah. against the Money well, Badger Coalition? I mean,
5: here's the thing. It's not about the money. Like, And what I would have to say to respond to the CCP manifest is there might be more fights if like the game mechanics actually made it possible to do such. I mean, I think this whole thing has been... Like, everybody trying to capitalize on this new form of warfare in EVE Online, and it doesn't generate the results that previous iterations of soft warfare did. And, I mean, CCP, if you want something to, like, tout and, like, brag about, then, like, create something that's worth bragging about. Like, don't put it on the players to do it. Like, God, I mean... That's like the worst. If you want us to fight over something, give us something to fight over. Like this whole thing is just completely arbitrary. Yeah,
0: like, but they can't they can't make like, you know, certain systems super rich because then the powerful I mean, sit on them. I mean, they can totally
5: them. do it. Like they can yeah, totally I, well, just put well, the on.
0: incentives in NullSec. Just give but, NullSec some incentives so like Yeah, but what s- are incentives? Support. Be more specific than just something good. Like and I don't want you to game design, but like what are we talking Wait, here? Wealth generation?
1: Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna actually come in here and say that's ridiculous because the whole reason why why uh, goons are in Declan was because that's where the best moons were. That's where, you know, that's they moved there. Well, not that's not the only reason, but like right. there is fighting over the R64 moons, and then they rebalanced that, and that was a big thing. And that's why the fountain war I happened. Mean, a like, lot of the idea because... of space being valuable, certain space being more valuable than other space, has been a conflict driver since time immemorial. <laughs> yeah, but it's not the case anymore. <laughs> and the only reason Goons stayed in Declan for so long is because
5: like Goons are lazy goons are very lazy people like we inherently don't like doing things like to us a good night was like undocking chatting with people and socializing and not like you know and sometimes blowing shit up yeah that's fun too but like we could basically until phoebe happened like we could go anywhere in the galaxy in 15 minutes who cared what region you were staging in right so like This whole thing about, oh, well, you know, why aren't you guys fighting? Like, maybe there should be some parity. Like, maybe it's because goons don't have enough money. Like, no, goons have plenty of money. We just don't want to give you the fights because we can totally win this war without them. Like, all we have to do is just use interceptors and crappy fleets that nobody wants to fight or nobody has fun doing, because that's what the game mechanics allows us to do, and we'll just min-max the shit out of it until everybody gets frustrated, bored, and fucks off.
0: Well, the the thing that, that, you know, CCP can't fix, because... You know, if they did, they would probably be in a different business, psychology or something. But that is the blobbing and the safety in numbers, which is totally innate to, like, you know, all kinds of species. But I mean, what like happened said, here you know, was basically... feedback. Like, that's the whole
5: point of the CSM yeah. is the social feedback mechanism that it supposedly was, like, supposed to offer is, like, hey... People in the game feel this is broken. Like, maybe you should address that. And
0: for years, they've been like, okay, great. Thanks for that feedback. And you never hear anything well, else maybe, come of it. Well, maybe because that's a hard one to crack. But the point is, it wasn't the money. The money was this match, right? The real fire was the people. Because as soon as uh, Goon Swarm got outclassed by a huge percentage, you know, we're talking 1,200 to 800, we're talking twenty. Twenty. Yeah, they got out-blobbed in a big way, not even in a a way they could do it. People overfished this if they had like... And then when CO2 switched over, that was just, you know, that was it. There was no way you guys uh, in Imperium were going to form up to try to fight 2,500 people in one system. And not only because that's too many, but because
1: tie-dye sucks. Well, I think one of the important things is that Imperium prior to this was not uh, an assailable force. There was no... You know, like I go back to that Reddit post, like from a year ago, that was like, "What would it take to take on Imperium?" And literally, the answer is like, "You can't." Like, and that was the mentality. And and as uh, Mark has pointed out, like they had this really great web of lies that they had created about how they were impenetrable and how they had spies everywhere and how they'd stop you before they even got there, and all this other stuff. And so I think that in the efforts of trying to assault what we saw as the Imperium, uh. People brought a little bit too much to the table because they, uh, they were fighting the Imperium that was perceived, not the Imperium that now, it was. <clears throat> I disagree with that point. because I
0: think there was actually, if you look at the numbers, the first one, they were kind of soft. The second one, they were actually brought
1: like nearly a thousand people, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, or more, 1,200. Really they brought 1,200. That's but a that, big group. Right. So once, the, once there was blood in the water, then, then people was like, this could actually happen. And then what you saw is the systematic rivalries that had been built up over the course of the last like, five, six years all kind of come to fruition. Uh, I, I still believe that without, uh, without a huge bankroll, the war would have pro- – like if, if just like a couple of – if that Macarial fleet that got, uh, that, that got bombed – you know, in uh, a couple of the other big key losses that happened at the very beginning, if those had happened even without a bankroll, you would have seen a lot of those people still jump in because a lot of people weren't there to, to make money. They were there to take down the Imperium.
0: Yeah, but the, you know, what's it say about NC, my uh, alliance? And what's it say about PL and Mer- Mercenary Coalition, all these places that it took money to secure them for, say, three months, four months? To cover their losses, like what's it say that that was like the thing that made them have the will to fight?
1: That's part of warfare, is the finance part of it? Well, I would definitely say that that's true for Mercy Co- mercenary Connect coalition. I would say that uh, pandemic legion had plenty of reasons to jump in on the on the force uh, with or without there's, huge bankrolls. But
4: there's a but there's a huge difference between having reasons, right? Because there were there was enough gur out there amongst you know the community, but but problem was. Nobody would ever form a large enough force to come and do anything about it, right? They could all gur all they want to because it's easy to do that on Reddit or the forums or wherever the hell it is they do that. But unless they actually get together and say, we're going to commit to this, and that was always the problem. I mean, you know, that the barrier to entry to going into a war like that, um, I guess, required the motivational level of that much isk. To, you know, to, to be put up there. But I do want to go back to that, to, to that manifest comment that you made before, uh, you know, that you made before about, about you know, would people feel that it was less dirty or something like that? I, I, honestly, I don't think it was dirty. I don't think it was dirty in any way. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. We allow these casinos to exist in the game. Um, You know, they're another form of rich entity out there. Um. It's not about dirty, and, and, and I don't know that it would have made any difference if they were funding both sides. What? So now, so now, what we need in Eve somehow is for the rich entities to motivate us to have conflict in Eve. I mean, that's just crazy.
6: Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it,
4: at that point they would actually be living up to their names as
6: gods because we would just be their little ants fighting each other in their dumb wars. Um, but I agree. Like, I don't, I don't find what I want. Isk did dirty at all. It's, it's just, it's almost amoral. It's, it's. They just did what they did. And now we're all in a sort of post world where we have to kind of figure out what's going to happen next and whether or not um, something like this should happen
4: again. I mean, I, I, you know, I, you know, I think one of the hardest things right now is because, you know, the, the the proximity and time to this war um, really kind of clouds the conversation about casinos, right? You cannot have a conversation about casinos right now um, and how they're supported by CCP to be able to kind of um, operate at the scale that they do because of things like API crest changes and things like that that have taken place um, you, know, you, know, you know, recently um, because of the war, because of the political stuff that is involved with it. The people, the names, the propaganda and everything else. Right. Um, That article right there. I mean, one of the things that I saw with that article, as far as responses from a number of people out there, right. was, (laughs) Oh, the Mitanni cares about, you know, kids and addicts. Right. Right. Uh, you You know, because they're going to sit there and they're going to come at that angle from it. Now, maybe it's a valid topic. It just can't be had amongst kind of, you know, the community out there because everybody is still my teaming this shit
6: yeah and i think that's what i realized real hard when that article came out which is that there is a vast majority of people uh within the eve community who do not want to have this conversation because they can't even approach it without divorcing um what the matani like the the merit of the matani's argument versus just who he is as a person or who he is as a, a persona in eve online and so there are all these people being like, oh, like, yeah, now he's coming with like the, you know, the moral high ground argument. But it's like that was frustrating for me because it's like but it's a good argument. Like we should be asking questions about whether or not, um, you know, 15 year olds and they are like one percent of Eve's population. Like in that article, I I put CCP Quant's player demographics chart, but still one percent of the population is still like that's one human life, maybe. Or like, even if it's just one kid who has a gambling addiction and it happens to be expressed through an EVE Online casino, that's still a bad thing. Like, that's... And that's still an awful thing that can be happening. And so that's a conversation we need to be having. We need to be having a conversation about whether the fact that these casinos, yeah they, they're like there's no incentive on their part to um, not prey on gambling addiction. I think Matani made fair points with that too, which is the fact that if you if the only way to compete against a casino is to build your own casino, then you make an arms race where each casino tries to be more exploitive of the audience using it to get them to spend more money within the casino. And I think that's a dangerous road to go down. Um, there's like a lot of
0: the, gross the very, That's very interesting the, points. The, the, the flip
4: side of this, right, is, is yes, okay, they helped sponsor a war. Now, now, what sparked their sponsorship of that war, okay, maybe a couple of different things out there, all right, right that, you know, you know, starting off with the bankers that used to be in an SMA and, and things like that, right? But on the flip side, you've also got what they do that benefits the community in terms of how they support um, streamers, how they True. support, you know, uh, streamers not only on the side of, of, of the NBC in this, right? But also some, you know, yeah. Tani.com streamers, for God's sakes. That's right. Um, goons, right? Um, Laz. And, you know, and then Les, okay? And then how they also support player events out there. Um, you know, which I understand is marketing, but for those player events, it's marketing for the casinos, right? But for the player events, that's for the players.
1: I also think that the moral high ground is a very difficult thing to ask um, within a game that actively promotes and advocates scamming or other forms of manipulation in order to get your way up. I mean, I think that the reason why you see such a hostility against the Matani specifically saying that is because this is the same guy who actively advocated recruiting players into Eve, not because they wanted to play Eve, but because they wanted to be terrible to other people. So I would say that if you're exploiting like these incredibly negative antisocial behaviors, um, you know is that I mean, any better to, like, than exploiting the gambling addiction?
5: statement i've ever heard like you're recruiting
1: people to come <laughs> you heard it here play on you. tis
0: you're
5: play- recruiting people to come play a video game because they're horrible to other people like what's so different than like an eve like a like a wow guild or any other mmo guild being like hey like all these other smucks on this server we play on suck like come terrorize them with us like i mean it's just internet trolling like yeah i'm not like Apologizing. I'm like, I'm apologizing for it. But like, I guess the thing is, is like, it's one of those things where everybody's internet community is better than everyone else's. And so when you say something like, he's the only person that's ever done that, oh my God,
1: like, I'm just
5: sitting here rolling my
1: eyes because it's just bullshit. Like, I'm not you know? suggesting that he's the only one, but he is the one bringing up the moral high ground in this article. And so what I'm saying is, is that if you're going to be the one Questioning somebody else. If you're going to be in the, you know, throwing rocks, and then you're the same guy who's advocating. Hey, by the way, this game is great because you can, you know, the, the, these other guys have taken, you know, worked three three years for this money, and then you're going to scam it from them and laugh in their face, and then post it on the internet or you know do all this other stuff and all these things that he's advocate he is actually advocated and told stories about in his various different meetings. And I'm not even talking about like the oh he told yes, somebody you're to commit right. suicide thing. But like I'm not saying that he's he's the only one, but I'm saying that I'm going to question his motivation.
4: What, so, uh, yeah, but can you but can strip this? No, what no, no, what no. Hold hold on, does it matter about his motivation? Like, about the the under if the underlying subject holds some sort of relevance.
5: Can can if we you just talk it? about the separation between like like I play a video game as Marconius pork butt? Matani plays a video game as the Matani, but Marconius pork butt aka mark in real life and matani aka alex in real life have very different motivations than their people that they're fucking RPing as like you're absolutely yes, correct which is why talking, i will still I have a drink with matani like, it's okay to say like come play this game where we act a certain way and we do certain things because we can do that in a game because it's not real
0: right so and I, then like so let steven get in here
5: okay, oh, well, well then you can let's not do this one thing out of game because it's actually bad. Like, right. this out of game thing is bad. And we can all agree, like, as people, like, that has some, you know, definite negative
0: effects. But we have Steven for only 10 more minutes. Let's let him... Uh, I, mean, I, can stay, I can stay for longer like it doesn't. Awesome. <laughs> it goes
6: long, I I, can, I
0: knew yeah. if we starved you long enough, you'd want to stay. Yeah. It's a Friday night. He
6: does um, have everything yeah. going on. <laughs> Eve Online Podcast. Um, no, so I think as someone... It's really interesting because I am not connected to the Eve politics um, like a lot of you guys are. Um, my fascination with Eve is purely because I like talking about it to other people, and that's what I've almost built like my entire freelance career on—is these Eve articles where I I get to show people like really weird things in Eve online, um, and it, it gives me sort of this interesting perspective because I look at what the Matani does, and I find it disappointing because. Um, I don't think... like I think Ash has a valid point in that you can't be the villain and then try and take certain angles. And I find it almost a bit disappointing that Alex even wastes time doing it because all he's doing right now, like I feel like in the last if I if I have to criticize him for a second, in the last like couple of months, I feel like he's really diluted his branding, so to speak, in the sense that his messaging is all over the place. Where he's trying to be the threatening villain, he's trying to be the threatening bad guy. At the same time, he's talking about how gambling addiction and kids is an awful thing um but then he's you know advocating for trolling people within a game and you're right like mark there's totally a distinction between uh exploiting gambling addiction in individuals and making someone rage because you blow up their ship and now you're taunting them within the bounds of the game um but i, I do think that it, it, like you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too. In that sense, you can't be a bad person in the game, but then also have good moral arguments or trying to good moral arguments. It, it muddies things. And uh, frankly, I think, the reason – like when I saw this article and I saw the reception, um, I wasn't mad at the Eve community for the way they were reacting. I was a bit disappointed because I hoped that we could have a conversation about the banks and the casinos and that wasn't really happening in places like our Eve. I was disappointed, honestly, with people like the Matani that – like I sit down and I ask him questions. He's, I'm just relaying his answers back to people. That's all I'm really doing in these articles. Um, And I was just really disappointed because um I feel like his – his spin has failed. Like, it's it's gotten to a point where people can't even trust a single thing that comes out of his mouth because they have it... Ra- like, I feel like it's come back and bit him in the ass. He played a game, he spun up this awful evil persona, and it's gotten out of control to the point now where you're seeing the Imperium is actively damaged by the their... Um, Their own vilification of themselves.
0: It wasn't even that they were evil. It was that they were untrustworthy. So you never knew if they were spinning you or not. Um, And so you can't ask to say, here, I want to tell you some truth when you're a known liar. That doesn't work. Because people people will reject the truth. But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, though. If it were any other messenger, it wouldn't get heard anyway. Because if you're a care bear or somebody who doesn't like killing (laughs) things, you're not going to be listened to. Like we had this guy that joined our uh, alliance and I'm not afraid to say it was a guy from Nully uh, who I consider to be an awful influence. Uh, Gene Learner Leaner, or something like that. He joins our NC dot without any uh, introduction at all. Like there's a process that everybody goes through so they can be publicly and you know humiliated or whatever before they get Vetted. in. Vetted? You Vetted. Vetted into
4: your elite. Society. Yeah.
0: The whole thing is – Hey, guys, you get to pick who you fly with. So all, you know, if somebody goes, applies to a different corporation, I can actually go and like throw stuff in that thread. Well, he bypassed all that. And so I just put something up that said, who the hell let this guy in? This guy's awful. I got totally shut down, almost thrown out. But the point was, <clears throat> if I had not started out saying who the hell," you know, I said, who let this uh, shit lord in basically? And Lady was like, well, if you weren't a jackass about it, maybe people would have listened to you. And my counter to that was if I'd said, hey, who let this guy in? Because he's really not a good influence. I would have been trolled out of those forums. So it's, it's, you know, Eve is kind of eats its own babies in that way. Like, you know, the whole place eats its own babies that way.
1: I think that we really are going through a cultural shift. I mean, uh, it wasn't so many years ago when there was a discussion about how CCP shouldn't do anything about erotica one, right? Like we have not chronologically, not much time has passed since that point. But I think that culturally we've changed significantly about what we accept and don't accept as a community.
4: No question about that. (laughs) <laughs>
5: yeah, it is interesting. Like, you
4: know, I mean, it's, it's true, because you go, back to, you, know, you go back to the Mitanni incident at FanFest, right? And there's all these people nowadays that throw it out there about how terrible it was. And it was. It was the wrong thing to do, right? But the whole idea of cyberbullying really hadn't made its way into, at least, certainly I, into Eve at the time. I also have
0: right? to say his apology was stronger than anybody else's apology, like, ever on this. And nobody talks about that. He gave his entire wealth to that guy. That guy actually said, yeah, it was no big deal after a while. Like it wasn't, he corrected that situation and he's still burned by it these days.
4: Sure, sure. But but the whole idea of cyberbullying was not the thing in Eve. It wasn't the thing in the mainstream media at that point. I mean, you go back and you start looking for stories on cyberbullying and things like that and and the dates, you know, there's just not a whole lot of material out there. It, it hadn't reached that level of, oh God, we're so hyped about this and really need to get on it kind of mentality. Whereas nowadays literally every issue is something worthy of going to war over. Like, in, in words. Not war and gain. It, it yeah, trillions I, would say, war and <laughs> game I would say so
1: far as, like, when the Mitanni did say that, at the time... I don't even think anybody noticed it as being that much out it of not until after After the Actually, match, right?
0: I think EVE e- e- News 24, Riverini's founder, I think promoted that very hard. That was one of the rifts between the two places. He, I mean, but but more remember, that's to
4: not it. even what spawned the anti-harassment thing. It wasn't until it wasn't until the Erotica 1 stuff where CCP finally started to get on board with kind of the anti-harassment things that, that, that possibly well, no, extended I, outside the game.
0: No, I think CCP did a huge corrective movement with... Uh, after uh, Matani had done that thing, I think there was even Hilmar came out and said, "Okay, it's time for us to grow up." Basically, and he wasn't yes. talking about he was not talking about Matani exclusively. He was talking about the whole community. Like they used to say, "Oh, we're going to shoot you in the face," and there was a but lot it was of that an kind
4: evolution, of even for the company. It's been an an evolution over time, and where you see the community out there, you know, however you want to say it, the community, the air quote community, whatever the word you want to use for it, right? Um, The vocal minority of players who exist in places like Reddit or forums or Twitter or Slack or wherever the hell it is they are there is this huge push out there. There's this huge push to protect minorities and to and to help all... You know, oh, God, you can't say this. And God, don't call somebody retarded because hashtag Mental Health Awareness Month. And you know, all this kind of stuff out there that just did not exist in this game. Cinco de Mayo Two is not a holiday. Ago, four years ago, all of that stuff.
0: I don't mind telling you I'm Mexican. It's not a Mexican holiday.
1: <laughs> I, I will... Yeah, and, and to go back to that, like, I will definitely, and I have before, like... Told people to kind of cool off on the whole Matani uh, harassment thing because, what's important to note is that, like, like I said, within the Eve community, honestly, at the time, most people didn't see it as a gigantic deal. What the problem in that at that moment was that that was the fan fest in which Dust was revealed, and so there was the huge PS3 contingency and a lot of outside of our world media. And in fact, there was a big movement about like, hey, why are all of these people, you know, kind of laying judgment on the way that we do things? And uh, even even the Mitanni's own kind of response said, you know, well, we got to see what kind of CCP we even have nowadays. And that's why they did the burn Jita because he said, if CCP is the same CCP as it always has been, then they will herald this thing as a. A wonderful moment of emergent gameplay, and if CCP has become soft, then they will act against it. Which means two things: one, CCP did in fact embrace it quite a bit, proving that they were still the company that they were before. But also, like that was a threat. We thought that you know there was a very real threat that 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 Eve Online and CCP had just gone in the way of like wow and all that stuff, and so it was a gigantic cultural. Kind of confusion, and it's also worth noting that Matani did step down. He just was then told that he could not continue to serve in the next uh, in the next iteration. CSM, so, yeah, in the next CSM. So I don't know. It's a it's a really weird thing, and I think it's an unfortunate thing that that haunts him because there are definitely other things that he has said and done it in the past that I think make better um, examples to counterpoint against some of the things he is doing and saying now. Um, but that just happens to be the big flashy one that everybody attracts to. Oh, he told somebody to kill themselves. Hey, this
0: how, is a, this is a great conversation. So We're going to keep it. It's a great conversation. We're going to keep it going for another half hour. Then we'll have the intermission, and then we'll talk about uh, citadels and the uh, offshoring. Okay, did I just kill the? Uh, <laughs> did I just kill the vibe? <laughs> Actually, we need to talk about, and I did want to get to this. It's uh, it's too bad that the first hour went so fast, but um, Stephen, I want to talk about like the rest of your career and how you got started writing and uh, all that kind of stuff. Like, sure, yeah, we can do that. Because there's a lot of people who are, you know, everybody's trying to be um, do something, you know, for work that they yeah. like, and writing about video games is probably one of them.
6: Yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm down to talk about that for sure.
0: Awesome. Do we have anything else that we want to talk about uh, as far as this goes? The uh, the article that came out. Uh, I have one more thing actually. If if I can just answer my own question, uh, and that was uh, one thing that really made me laugh, um, It was the, the rewriting of history. Like first of all, the article that the two articles that came out, uh, probably that you were responding to, or that were the other side, you know, that were the other side of what you were writing about. Mm. Those articles had um, Lenny Kravitz saying that he, he had done this because he wanted the old goons back that were non-toxic, right. that, were, <laughs> that were nice guys and they were funny. Uh, and the key word there is funny. One person's funny is another person's rude. Yeah. And I think that there's another a disassociation. Bullying. That. To- bullying, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I'll tell that you what, is. the goons of 2006 through 2009 – were not funny. Like, to me, they were not funny and they were not, you know, non-toxic. They were very toxic. They did some terrible – they said some terrible things. There are still echoes of it now when older – or some people try to pick up the same strains of teasing that happened a long time ago and I'll give you an example. They didn't create
4: that in Eve though.
0: They didn't create it but they perfected it. On a
4: widespread basis um, and and in some ways still does around –
0: Well, I think that they uh, actually exacerbated it because they had no strength in the game. They may
4: have been coordinated with it, but... So
1: prior to the Great War, um, I think Andrew even said this, uh, Andrew Groen, um, prior to the Great War, the old factions were factions of ideology, right? Right? So so different people felt that EVE should be different things, and they went to war over it. And that's basically what fueled a lot of the wars pre-Great War. But with the Great War, when Goons won, it's almost like their ideology won. And it began to infect uh, EVE Online as a whole. And that's where you got a lot of that, like, be the villain kind of mentality. And I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that it happened. Right. Right. Like, what?
0: Sorry, why couldn't oh, this place yeah, be right. about building things? Like, you know, instead of destroying them. I'm going back to that because I think it's interesting. It's a sci-fi game. It's futu- futurism. Uh, why does it have to be about the constant tearing down of things?
1: That's you know, actually Stevie? the amazing thing that I always think about whenever I, th- like, since I first started playing Eve, it, it, the m- amazing thing about Eve is that, uh, unlike the real world, there actually is no resource shortage, right? Like asteroids repopulate, moons continue to generate, like inevitably, if we decided to, we just could never shoot each other again and, and live in Shangri-La we don't. And I think that tells us more about us than about the game.
6: Well, yeah, no, I think at the same time, too, like, ultimately, this is a game. And so people want entertainment. And it just turns out that blowing someone up and taking their stuff is really entertaining for a vast majority of people. Um So it's one of those weird things because like Eve can be really – Eve can parallel and echo real life in like really alarming and and amazing ways. But then at the same time, it also boils down that Eve is a game that people play for fun or they play for some form of – not fun necessarily, but they they play for some sort of satisfaction. And um, I think – yeah, like – I think that there's some truth to what you're saying, but I don't necessarily think that, like, the future is going to be this hellscape of destruction just because EVE Online is. I
5: think it's also interesting, It's brought up in chat, um, people also forget that it's a role-playing game, and while you're not in CVA... Um, everybody that plays Eve to an extent is role-playing to a degree.
4: Like, yeah, that was me saying that over there. Yeah, I thought was <laughs> a really good point. I saw I saw the, well, I saw the it,
5: comment. And it's it, really good. I think you should elaborate on that. It,
4: it, it's crazy the, the the reaction. Okay. The reaction and he's really the 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 ultimate character of it in the game, right? And and, and I, I don't want this to keep coming back to the Mitanni as though he's the only example. Um, you know, but the, the reaction to the words he says. When he's out there, which he knows have have a double-edged public perception out there. You know, you know, his people are going to take it one way, other people are going to take it, but he's role-playing people.
5: Yeah, and I mean, and to the same degree, like you had a, a host on your show, Open Comms, who left recently, and he talked about kind of getting stuck in the dichotomy between like his role-play character and who he was like in real life, and I just thought that was an interesting. Um, you know, thing that sort of came up and then flew by that nobody really paid attention to. And it's like, yeah, I role play as Marconi as but this a entity in Eve and it's not me in real life. And I think a lot of us sort of tend to forget that even though I'm not like role playing as an Amar slave owner, like I'm still role playing even uh, if... You know, uh, so, you
4: know. Somebody asked the question out, the radioactive PB is the Matani role playing on the Meta show too? Serious question. You know what? I think that he is when I watch him Okay, I think he's role playing, you know, the the great leader. Okay. well, yeah, I mean, mean,
5: I'll I'll tell you just like mm -hmm. as an insider and and a personal friend of Alex is like, yeah, he is. I mean, and and to anyone who is really talking about anything in EVE Online and you're talking about your character, you're posting as your character, you are role playing like you are.
1: Get over it. I mean, you got to let's let's go back to it. Right. Let's let's go back to basics you are playing a role. It doesn't matter if you've decided to take on the role of a traitor or you've decided to take on... And this is what's different than a lot of other video games because in a lot of other video games, you can just switch over or, you know, like one moment may not have any impact on another. But because Eve has a history and because you have a legacy and you build a narrative for yourself one way or another, inevitably you are playing a role. So when when the Mitanni goes on there and and talks... He is playing the role of the commander of the Imperium. What
0: about when he's talking to his generals and that information gets leaked? Was he playing or was he telling the truth?
1: Like, well, it's all playing because it's all a game, right? Like, nobody's actually going to war, right? Nobody's so when, actually doing so when he's, he's
0: disparaging, war. when he's disparaging CCP manifest, or when he's saying that he can get these guys in the real media to write what he wants, is he role playing or is that
1: actually him? Well, I would say that that he as a as a character as as the role that he is playing he is leveraging the resources to his disposal right and in the, in one of the resources that the Mitanni has carefully uh constructed for himself is control of the media and and the reason why was because actually after the whole fan fest thing with the csm he even said i did this because i realized that the media has more strength than The CSM does. And so he made the choice of having a media, you know, control of the narrative, control of the media as an as a uh, aspect of his role of commander of the goons. And therefore, yes, it bleeds into real life. And I'm not saying that he's absolved of that. I'm it not bleeds saying into
4: behind-the-scenes stuff, right?
1: Right. I'm not saying that Alex is, is not guilty of, of what he does. But what Brad, I'm saying is that right. he is doing hey, let's, let's call him a, a role. Let's keep it in the game.
4: Yeah. <laughs> why, why are you doxing him, man? Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Hold on. Yeah, some, did
0: somebody say? didn't know he was named Alex.
1: <laughs> Manifest is in the chat. I can't believe you just did that. Oh. His, oh, his, yeah. name, his name is Public Knowledge. Because um, me, on the, a, no, no, no. he's on the CSM. There were Facebook profiles, dude. Yeah, we're my draw that line. I'm not <laughs> telling people where they are. So
6: Jesus. I have really strong thoughts on this whole thing on roleplay, and it's interesting. I'm not going to tell you guys to go read this article, but if you're listening to this, you can. Um, there is something on Rock, Paper, Shotgun where this other article was. Um, it's not on the front page anymore, but it was published yesterday or two days ago. You can go look for it if you want to because I recently did an, an experiment um, with roleplaying on a Neverwinter Nights fantasy server. Um And I learned some really uh, revealing lessons, and I think it's really informed my opinion on role playing. People are free to disagree with it, but I do firmly believe at this point that you are not separate from the role you play because the role you play in a game is ultimately a form of self-expression. And even if the role you play is, is a sort of different type of character, if you're kind of a nice dude and in game you're playing an asshole, that, that doesn't mean that the two are separate. It just means that you're a nice dude who has an asshole side to him that can come out when you feel like you're not going to be held publicly responsible for what you're doing. Like, Thank you. Role plays – people think that role play is like a mask you wear where you like take it off and you're just a different person and it's not. Role play to me at least is a mask that you put on and it reveals the true self um it allows you to feel like you and especially online too because then it, com, it becomes role play with an uh, anonymity so like if you're sitting around a dnd table and you're role playing together you know that person you know what he's like outside of the game but when you're playing online you have anonymity and the matani everyone like people know a lot about him but he's still anonymous on the internet people don't have an idea of what he's like outside of the game
0: no, like, you know they,
4: i'll be honest even having met him a couple times in real life <laughs> All right. right
0: but That's what you get for catching your breath. You get cut off. Well, it's <laughs>
4: fine. No, no. Even, even having met him in real life, right? You, you know, but it's at a place like, let's say, E Vegas, where, where, in a way, he's still on stage. Right. And I, the guy I've... with the sunglasses on his head and the red shirt, is probably not the guy who's like you know sitting on the couch with his wife watching Netflix or something. Right, right, right. Um,
6: Wouldn't it be scary
0: if he was? That would <laughs> like, be pretty funny. <laughs> I
6: think that there is a part of him that is that person. And I think that's fine. Like it's it's not I, – I definitely think um, when you when you are doing these things, when you are playing a role, you kind of um, blow it out. Like you exaggerate and you kind of highlight certain parts and you diminish other parts. But I think that ultimately the, there is a truth about the person and the role that they play. Or there is truth about – the role that someone plays that you can use to inform about who they are as a person, always.
0: I, I, I- totally agree. I'm so glad you said that because I remember somebody who was uh, on CSM said uh, when they asked him, "What's Eve?" and he said, "It's a Eve is a place where nice people can come and do bad things." And I think it was a very popular CSM. I'm forgetting his name. It was Tr- Troubadour or something like that, or Trevor. And um, you know, he looked like a nice guy, but I thought I totally disagreed with that because I find that it's very difficult for me to do really to do anything actually like I feel bad killing people but that's that's because I can't cross certain lines in my brain to allow myself to do it even in an anonymous video game where I'm supposed to do it in fact I joined Eve so that I could try to do that
1: I I would argue that that in Eve uh the bigger threat isn't gambling addiction and its impact on people but rather people losing themselves in their characters
5: well then Uh, we're just talking about addiction because I mean there's kind of a part of that in Eve like in any video game, really, where you just like dedicate, you know, 23 and a half hours a day to like doing something in this game and you don't go out and you see sunlight unless there's like the servers down. Yep. I mean, that's something that we don't really talk about in general in the gaming industry and like a lot of what we do, but it is out there. And it's interesting too on the role play topic. I mean, a lot of streamers are essentially role playing, they have their stream name, and a lot of that's because, again, like they want that anonymity. You know, like they're going to be a different person on their stream than they are in real life. It doesn't mean that they're a totally different person, but they're just highlighting certain aspects of their personality in a different way.
0: Man, if games could like inform you on who you were, I would be in, in a lot of trouble in certain ways. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think you
6: are who you play in a game, but I think that they do inform a specific, a, a certain truth. You can ascertain something about someone by the way that they play a game, and it, it might not be a direct sort of like, "Oh, you're a jerk in game; you're a jerk in real life." But there is sort of indirect truths that I think you can use to inform about a person. Um, and I, I, it's not like you can just look at the Mitanni as a character and then make assumptions about who he is in real life. Well, what you would need to do is you need to know who the Mitanni is as a character and then who the Mitanni is out of game. And then you trace the two connections and you can, you know, you can find things. Um, but I think the mistake a lot of people do is they see who the Mitanni is in game and they just assume in real life, he's like this genocidal awful mania. And it's not true. Like that's not who he really is, but it well, does speak a truth. About, well, 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 if Mark says it, <laughs> I mean, he's a little
5: sadistic, but yeah, he's a nice guy. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> He's just a little bit of sadism
0: going on. Yeah, but does he like pull wings off flies because <laughs> yeah, they're
5: that's flies? Like, yeah, that's, that's psychotic. No, it's exactly. Like yeah, not tackling villain. He just likes a good, you know, a good time.
1: You know, this makes me think like, that Rebra really over there is, is actually a cutthroat really uh, in real life. <laughs> well, <He> like partying <laughs>
5: under the table.
1: For me, for me, I like to use Eve as an opportunity to explore things uh, with a different consequence set, right? So like even right. if that if that means I get to be terrible to people and then see how that plays out or or I get to you know like I've never scammed anybody in real life I've also never scammed anybody in Eve but it's it's super tempting to do that like but, can but you I you will now can I take a a, a a person and convince them somehow to give me four plus billion isk like. Can I can I take somebody who's actually earned all this stuff and have them give it away to me because of the fact that something I said like that is crazy? Right. But, I, but like for real, this is true story. Like in my real life, in this last year, I've taken over or you know I've started trying to do like the whole take. A, take a
0: second. Do you thing. really want to say this? No,
1: no, no. I do. It's fine. Because <laughs> it's gonna be out there. Um, so in, in my real life, I've I've formed my own company and we're working on our own stuff. So I've gone from worker. To a uh, business owner or slash you know, leader with hiring and other stuff. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of things about that that are terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And so the idea of like, hey, I'm going to actually take over this corporation in Eve and see if I can get all of these moving pieces to work in a way hone those personal skills of mine because those are real skills that need to be exercised that needs to be practiced and so in that sense eve allows you to take on a different persona with a different set or or a market trader right like there's no way that i'm going to spend enough real life money to get into market trading uh, at the get-go without being painfully painfully sorry for doing so um but in Eve, I can experiment with the idea of like, well, what does it mean to have a market trend? What what does things look like when they're when, when it's just a fake thing versus a real thing? Or you know, how yeah. do you read those things? And in that way, Eve is uniquely valuable.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's a great point. And if I could, uh, I just want to pivot on this one point, one example. Actually, the reason that I left Ian Twenty Four was because I was kind of finished writing for a fan site. Like I had kind of, I've done that, and I couldn't really do it anymore without justifying some, in some way. So the reason I came to TMC, and I think I've expressed this a few times, was because it actually allowed me, um, um, first of all, well, it allowed me a managerial set of circumstances that I could practice in that I needed to on a C level that I need to for my actual real life. So it, Eve, if you use it right, can be a simulator into areas that you're afraid are too costly in real life. And that's the smart money when you play Eve. Like if you can stretch yourself and get some of the fear out of the way, you can improve as a person using the simulator that a lot of people in the world from all over the world uh, will participate in. So you can can see what it's like to talk to a Russian guy. Corporate management online. Exactly. <laughs>
6: but I, I think even like with – like if you have social anxiety, EVE Online can be this wonderful space for you to like learn how to become a bolder person. And I've talked to people specifically like in EVE Online, I've done articles, I've done interviews with people where they've talked about um, like low-sec pirates and the characters that they play and how that – like improved their life vastly because in real life they were like I was a loser and then I became this low sec pirate and it sounds really lame to say this but like became this low sec pirate and they learned what it was like to be a bit of a badass and to kind of talk smack and have a bit of you know to stand up for yourself and it it begins to inform who you are as a person um, and it begins to change who you are as a person and I think that's an important distinguishing with role play too is like Eve Online is essentially consequence free if you're playing it right yeah. um, you can experiment with it and you can do these things and really like it's a it's a video game everyone's there they understand they should understand that it's, it's a video game And so yeah like propagandists can do things that in real life would be awful like no one should be doing some of the things that propagandists do in eve or man, like the manipulation and stuff like that but in eve online that's okay but i still think that the consequences of those actions personally can still change who you are as a person
0: yeah like, i think yeah, i went backwards sure. i used to be really cool and uh now i'm a gamer <laughs> too i think i was like I was a good-looking young man. I had ladies.
6: People are allowed to disagree with that point. But I think for me personally, and this is really what it boils down to is everyone's going to be different. But for me personally, the first time I scammed someone in EVE Online, I felt terrible about it. I felt (laughs) terrible for days about it. You were a dirty scammer? (laughs) I did it one time. I did it one time. I, that's so all it I takes, man. Get it. out. I did. I did a um, an article. One of my first EVE Online articles was I ganked with code for
4: a week. Oh, I did it for research.
6: And uh, I followed code around. And <laughs> the I, research. And I, <laughs> Excuse. I did like gonzo journalism. where Many men have like, been found in the mantle of code. And I went around <laughs> with him ganking miners. And then not only that, the guys in code were like, okay, you need to – because the whole thing with code is you gank the miner, and then you have to convo them. And that's when you start like the – manipulation and like the you break that person until they buy a mining permit and so he's like I want you to do this and so I'm the person kind of being the point of contact on this and so in a sense I'm role-playing I'm doing this I'm not, I'm not really this person in real life but I'm pretending to be this awful asshole who's like harassing this miner in game and being like you need to buy the mining permit man and um
0: hey Harleen in the chat uh, said they read that article
6: Oh, there you go. It's I I was really proud of that article. But can can we talk about your
0: career? Yeah. 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 Can we talk about your career as long as we're talking about articles that you wrote? Like, uh, how did you get into it? And what, you know, what (laughs) made you do it?
6: Okay, so (laughs) this is funny. Um, I was this was two years ago, and I was uh, 24 at the time. And I realized my life was going nowhere um, and I had nothing like a good like when people are like, what's your five year plan? I was like, not being dead. is my five year plan. Um, and so I just decided one of these like one day I was at this job I hated and I just didn't really have anything great going on in like my life career wise. And I decided like I love video games and I've always loved writing. I need to figure out how to turn that into a career path. And so, um, I did what I think a lot of people do, which is I decided, well, I don't really know how to start writing about video games. It's what I want to do. I'll just make a blog and do it there. And hopefully that works out. Um, and so that's what I did. I started a blog. It started with like eight people. Um, I really treated it like a business. Cause I was like, I don't know how to be like, I don't know how to get a job at like IGN or some of these big places. I'll just make my own IGN was my naive thought. Awfully naive. Don't ever do that. Um, <laughs> but I I ran this blog like a business. We had contributors and, you know, we were really organized and stuff like that. And I, you know, I was putting in eight hours after my normal work shift. Um, and I did that for about eight months and I burned myself out horribly on it. It was terrible. Um, but around that time I started learning about freelance, uh, video game journalism and what that is, or just freelance journalism in general. And, um, it's a really simple concept, which is that, Places that put out articles and uh, like news websites, ba- basically, all the major media websites. There's too much going on in the world um, for them to ever cover it. Internally, and so what they do is they outsource things to f- wh- freelance journalists who are just contract workers who will come and write an article for them, and then they'll just pay them for it. Um, and in video games, it's really popular. All of the websites use freelance journalists, and so um, I read a book. It's by Nathan Minier. If you're interested in reading it, it's called Up, Up, Down, Down, Left. <laughs> I need to Google it. Um, left, right, left, right. Ba, start select. <laughs> yeah, like it's a play on that code: up, up, down, down left it's called up up down down left right but then right isn't it's it's a stupid pun uh, right is like right Um, And it's a a fantastic book that just breaks down how you can pitch an editor an idea for an article or how you can get work as a freelance video game journalist and so I use that as my bible basically. Um, And I just started writing for websites so I started with MMOs because that was my area of expertise and so EVE Online was the MMO I was most experienced in. Um, I've been MMORPG.com's resident EVE Online columnist for over a year now. Um, and from there I just kept pitching bigger websites once I got more confident and yeah, it just grew from there.
1: And that goes back to what I was saying, which is that, you know, while in Eve, uh, while Eve, it isn't real, the problems that you, the challenges that you need to solve to be successful in Eve are similar to, or the same as the problems that you need to solve for real life functions.
6: Because. Eve online is this Eve online. The best thing, the reason why Eve online is an amazing game is because it is inherently social and real life is inherently social. And it's the only MMO that is like that. Like you can't prosper in Eve online by being a nobody. Uh, you have to, ah. you'll, you'll burn. Well, like, <laughs> I really think, cause like yeah, people do, but like, I don't think they enjoy themselves. <laughs> I think well. the people who enjoy themselves are the people who make friends and they, they solve problems together and they get sort of involved in whatever small bubble of a community in Eve online they're a part of um, being like a totally solo pilot. I think in Eve online is a sad way to live.
0: <laughs> but I, I, I like the immersion. That's
4: why Eve is so real. And that's why people like, like just, it's in them, right? You know, yeah. you know and it, it and it kind of reaches out there, and it's why people are always referencing. Uh, they're always referencing Rome or something in real history or some other aspect out there of real politics or or whatever regarding this game because they can draw some. Not necessarily accurate parallels, but close enough for them to be able to yeah. to latch onto it.
6: It's all people like it's just people interacting with people that's all society is that's all humanity is that's everything is just people interacting with people and Eve online is fundamentally people interacting with people in some
4: form and that's why it runs off the rails sometimes because <laughs> yeah, people are awful
0: <laughs> Well because there's no line between people and RP people yeah fair there's point no always line. All right, so uh, thanks for that because that's really interesting. I'm sure a lot of people are interested in uh, writing, and you know, I know that that industry is, like, it's new, right? Like, this is a new medium. Entertainment's yeah. not new, but
6: well, and it's all it's new, and now it's changing because YouTube's shown up, and they're like, Haha, "Screw you, journalists!" Yeah. Like, what do you
0: think of the streaming like stuff that's come on in the last few years?
6: Um, I think it's it's great. Like, it's I'm always. Technically, yes, I'm, I'm kind of anchored myself to a, a, a shrinking medium, which is like print journalism. Um, but I think like it's technology advancing. It's people getting what they want. People are happy. They want these things. That's fine. Like, you know, I think a lot of the problems and this is going to get way philosophical, but like a lot of problems like in America is because there is old business strangling innovation because they want to stay in power and I don't ever want to be that type of person. So even though I'm in like an older business, I don't want to like stifle YouTube or ever like talk smack
0: about those guys. Um, nah,
4: it's I, one more step towards idiocracy and being able to just sit <laughs> on your chair and take a shit in it at the same time. There's, while you're
0: a, there's a really good book called, uh, called, uh, story <laughs>
6: I don't personally, streaming is honestly, it feels weird to say this, but I feel like I am actually just too old to get like YouTube or streaming. Um, I certainly love being on like streams and talking, but uh, yeah, like when I hear about people who like, they don't watch TV anymore, they just watch YouTube channels or Total Biscuit or whatever that I don't understand that. <laughs> like, yeah, that I've seen that in action. sense to me. Why would you watch someone play a video game when you could just play the video game? Like, because, I,
0: I think because they want the story. And and playing the video right. game is actual work at some point, right? Or it, it's time.
4: <laughs> I, I don't I, get it. I liken it to why you know why I would watch uh, watch baseball or football, right? But you know because I just can't go out there and go play baseball or football, not anymore, anyways, right? But I can't watch golf. Screw so that, you, man! I'll go play
0: golf because I can. Do, do you have a sore fingers that you can't play a video game? Sprained knuckles. But <laughs> he's getting old. It's not necessarily as Someone
3: play a video game. I think half of it is for the community. commentary as well. Because if you oh, watch, like, yeah. saying if you watch football, if you mute it, is it as exciting as it is listening to the announcer? I mean, now they don't do the commentary. It
0: depends. There are a lot you of tights do, out but.
1: there. Yeah. I, I'll say that I watch Day Nine not because of the things that Day Nine is doing, but rather I want I want to know Day Nine's opinions about those things.
6: And I think oh. that's fair. And that's really what it boils down to is like you have these fantastic personalities. And I, like I I said, I don't know why people watch Total Biscuit. I sometimes watch Total Biscuit. But um, I think it's also maybe I'm not the most um, unbiased person to talk about it, too, because uh, I'm also a part of a medium like video games as a medium is something like I play like a, a metric shit ton of video games in a week and so i don't need someone to tell me what they think of a video game because i'll likely just want to get my own opinion on it anyway and i get that there's other people that don't want that they just have their 60 dollars and they don't know where to spend it so they want someone that they trust to tell
0: them that's that's true it's your work why would you relax to your work
6: um (laughs)
0: last thing do you do you stream
6: um i've i've attempted it in the past but um it's streaming is tough because that's the other thing and so like in my industry, it, it makes a lot of sense to be someone who is good on camera and can be literate on a you know in front of a video camera and, and can talk um, and be charismatic because that's just the way the industry is headed. Um, so I've tried streaming, but you get into this real awkward place where there's no one on your stream, but you still need to act like there's people on your stream because if you don't act like people on your stream, the people that do pop into your stream don't want to be there because you're not having fun. And so like there's this weird sort of like, it was the same reason I could never get into blogging, almost because I I was just painfully self aware the whole time that I was just spouting shit into like the internet and no one was there to care.
1: Hi, it's, I'm talking to a camera.
0: Yeah. Hey, it's, didn't Newt Gingrich make a speech to an empty hall? Right. And like I could never do that if <laughs> to
4: I could. Look, people do that all the time, but yeah, like yeah that's I'm, true.
0: Now it's it's an interesting thing because it's kind of. Uh, It's metaphysical in some way, isn't it? Like (laughs) like if a tree falls while I'm here alone streaming, does it really fall?
6: Yeah, it's just it's weird to be like talking to yourself. So like uh, I've done some streaming for MMORPG.com before, and that's fantastic because you have an install base. So I turn on the stream and there's 100 people there, you know, right away watching. And that's actually a lot of fun starting streaming from yourself. Like I have so much respect for those people um, because they all started from nowhere.
5: Were you on like a PC gamer stream this week?
6: Yeah, so like PC Gamer um, is one of the websites I frequent – or I'm, my bylines are at PC Gamer quite a lot. Um, and they'll have me onto their podcast um, infrequently just to be
0: a talking head. Wow, we're so happy you joined us too. Yeah, uh, right, it's been great. Right now we're going to shift. Please stick with us if you want. We're going to shift over to I talking.
4: Can I, can I just yeah. ask this, matter? All we had that whole conversation and, and I don't think around – I'd kind of like to go around the horn and just think – just ask. Every, you know, everybody here to kind of answer, right? Um, back to the casino thing, just real quick, just as an answer so that people out there know. Do you think casinos are good or bad for Eve? And, and no elaboration, just, you know.
0: And you guys in chat, you guys write that uh, the answer to your, your opinion I think as well.
4: I think they're just fine. I think they're just fine.
0: Reaver, we'll go counterclockwise. Uh,
2: I think casinos are... Well, they've always been part of EVE, so I don't think they're bad or good. I think it's an interesting direction that it's going, and we'll have to see how it plays out once this war's over, if they carry on to another one or whatever. Drayden?
3: Um, I'm fine with them. Uh, I I have gone on s- several of these gambling sites and gambled myself. I I do enjoy a little bit of gambling here and there, so I'm okay with them. The only negative thing I've ever seen come from the gambling sites is this recent one where we lost our home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm still okay with it.
1: <laughs> Ash, they are—they uh, bring value to ISK, therefore they are good.
0: I'll answer too, if you don't mind. Uh, I think they're terrible and they should be gone. Uh, well, the only thing they do that it's good is the community they build uh, among the bankers, who all really like each other. And well, actually, they all hang out with each other. And uh, very nice people. I really like uh, the people that I want to ask, uh, great people. And it's a really nice atmosphere that they built. But it's a casino. And to me, that is kind of a dirty place. The concept of sitting there uh, just leaking money out is uh, awful. And I think that it, the fact that it sits on Eve is a real blemish uh, on Eve itself.
4: Well, you know, again, I... I hey,
0: I not your sir. turn. Yes oh, or no? no sorry. Uh. Messner, <laughs> Messner.
6: Uh, yeah, no, I, I, um, I think Lenny is a fantastic person. I think they're all great guys, but yeah, I, I, right now I'm kind of of the opinion that uh, casinos are probably a negative influence on the uh, ecosystem of EVE Online.
0: Mark and then Dirk. Uh, yeah, I
5: mean, I think they're very bad. It's just going to create an arms race in the metagame, and you can't pull back from that. It's basically Pandora's box.
4: Well, you know, I opened it up by saying I think they're fine, but... Because because as an actual thing, I think that they are fine. But what players do with them is a different thing. So you, can get a the, point. You know, so you can get into the whole thing of, well, casinos themselves aren't bad. It's what the players do with them. Titans aren't bad. It's what the players do with them. Blobs of ships aren't bad. It's what the players do with them.
6: Yeah, I think if like CCP set up an isk sync casino, that's fine. Why, like, why would you not want a giant sink in the game? That's great. I think as
0: but, long as it's RP'd in the game, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting point. Very interesting I don't know point. Why they
6: don't do like eVegas? Like, yeah. do the eVegas experience in the game for the people that uh, can't go? For
0: right, because the stations were supposed to be that walking in stations, which is you know talking in stations is a take on that. Walking in stations was going to be like gambling sites and strippers and things like that, and for some reason that would be okay with me. Let's uh, pivot. We're going to talk about the last subject for the night, and that is the offshoring, speaking of uh, tax evasion. And (laughs) it's a perfect thing to go with gambling. Uh, So, Rebra, can you get us up to speed on what's going on there?
1: Are are we taking a break first, or are we going to jump? We're going to
0: skip intermission. This is too fun. All right.
2: Yeah. Okay. uh Basically, since the large Citadels came out in uh, HiSEC uh, last week, there's been a thing called offshoring, which traders are doing, which is uh, where you sit one jump out of JETA and you place a ranged buy to cover JETA. Um, and you pay instead of the new CCP uh, taxes at 3% or, uh, and 1% on the sales tax, you pay whatever fee the uh, Citadel owner uh, charges you. So I sit in, for example, New Caldari, and I pay 0.3% broker fee to buy items in Jita, And uh, then I pay pay the normal Jita fee on the other side. So I uh, avoid half the tax.
1: Now, this isn't emergent. This was one of the functions of Citadels. It just happens to be working, right?
2: I don't know whether it counts as emergent or whether it counts as an intended thing that CCP planned on that
1: well they they increased the taxes for the sake of making citadels more attractive well i mean they they claimed that they already were planning on doing that but i mean it definitely does that and they knew that it would do that
0: i yeah, want to point out that this is are, a- uh,
4: that are to induce these things right to induce people using citadels
2: yeah i, I it, don't
4: think that's surprising at all right
2: i, I think people uh, were going to uh use citadels but i think what a lot of people assume is that you're going to do the entire trade through a citadel so you're going to buy uh your ship in the citadel and then you're going to sell it in the citadel what you do here is you sit outside this outside of jita in the citadel and you buy in jita and then you sell in jita so at no point are any of your assets at risk of getting locked up when the citadel blows up for uh, five days and it's not at risk for the six days between the second and the third timer on the Citadel. Uh, so you're just.
1: Sorry, let me see if I understand what exactly you're saying. So you never go to Jita. However, all all of your trading is happening in Jita. So because you're inside of a Citadel, you are actually putting in a trade in Jita at Citadel prices, basically. So you're, Citadel taxes. Yeah, yeah, at, at Citadel taxes. So
4: or broker fees. One.
1: So you're never. It's never moving to the Citadel or anything like that. You're just simply proxying yourself you're, you're basically sheathing yourself in the citadel in order to protect yourself against the taxes
2: pretty much yeah you pay taxes on the sell side that are the normal station taxes but you don't pay them on the buy side at all uh and if you're the citadel owner you of course can uh, have zero percent broker fee and for new traders this is really good because new traders you don't need broker fee uh broker relations skill and you don't need any standing with the uh corporation or the faction in order to get the uh, citadel fee that's entirely set by the owner
0: wow so you don't yeah you don't need to spend time skilling up those uh those skills anymore
2: no it's it's a four day at the moment you need to use uh visibility to place an order with a range from the citadel um but basically yeah i sit in uh new Caldari, and I say uh, I will buy a Plex, and I set a one-jump buy order, um, and then the Plex gets sold to me in Jita, and then I open my assets in Jita, and I right-click, and I list it on the market for sale uh, without actually anything ever coming to me.
0: All right. At this point, I want to point out that this is all written up uh, by Revra for TMC, and you can find it. It's called Offshore. You can see it on the screen, actually. Offshore, but for our podcast listeners... Offshore, tax avoidance comes to New Eden. That's an article on TMC written by Reva.
1: So do we have oh, any yeah, knowledge I'm about whether or not – such an idiot.
0: I just
5: connected Revra to that article. I'm so sorry. Yes, that was a great article. <laughs> <laughs> it's- well, it's a good thing you didn't criticize it. No, I thought it was a great article. I was just, yeah. like, just sitting here for the last like three hours or however long we've been doing this and I've like been trying to put together where I've heard that name before.
1: Yeah, it's a great writer. So- so, do we have any knowledge about whether or not CCP is going to do something about like like? Did they intend you know this? There's going to be Citadel changes. So, so do you think that they or do? You, would you recommend that CCP change it so that the taxes that you pay are at the location that the? I guess you couldn't really do that though because no, you just it, said it, a, you just said anyone mess. anywhere within one jump, anyone anywhere that happens to be one jump, which basically guarantees it will be Jita.
2: Yeah, I mean it. It's, there's always the risk that someone, at another station, will sell it to you. Um, but the way that broker fees work in game is that when you set up the order, you pay the broker fee uh, on on the order that you've set up. So in order to make this that you can't uh, skip the taxes like this, it would have to be calculated for every possible location that they want to that you could possibly get it sold to you at. And this would be a nightmare because there's say there's ten stations or something within range of me. How do you calculate what I'm going to get at what station? And the other way to do it could be uh, if you paid the broker fee when an item got delivered to you. Um, But that would, again, be a completely different change to uh, a complete change to how the market mechanics currently work.
4: I mean... I think that this may have been an unintended consequence. Um, you know, whereas with the with the changing of the tax, uh, you know, the tax system itself, when they bumped that, I think that was to be an inducement for people to go and use yeah. citadels. But now that they know about it, it will be interesting to see if they did know about this uh, or did consider this ahead of time, um, and if it is a feature and not just a well an unintended consequence. Well,
2: I, I think as well the other thing is that's interesting about it is how it's how the citadels are working. There's four four desars in the forge at the moment. There's three one jump out of JIDA, and then there's one three jump out of uh, JIDA. And uh, what's happening is that these four desar owners are currently competing. Uh, to get traders to come to their citadels and so you're seeing things like uh, happy hour where uh, a couple of the four desires give you a 50 discount on their broker fee for two hours a day and then there's another one where they uh, they do frequent flyer miles so the more you trade the lower your broker fee goes so it starts at one and it can work down to 0.2 so it's it's interesting seeing how these are actually playing out with the players That is fascinating.
0: And that, to me, is why it rivals um, gambling sites, because they have promotions, too. But it's so interesting to see them applied inside the game. And for me, it seems a little more legitimate. Uh, So you you don't think that I think uh, my personal opinion is CCP will probably let this play out a bit. This probably won't be a nerf tomorrow. Some people think there might this might get fixed like next patch. What do you think?
2: I don't think so. Uh, as, I, as I said, I think it would, uh, if you say that you can only do certain range from a Citadel, um, then yeah, that's going to be problematic. People aren't going to be sure why you can do that. Um, and if you have to change the broker mechanics, then you're going to affect everyone who does region-wide buy orders in EVE. And yeah, that's well, quite a few people.
1: Let me ask you a question then. So, So a similar thing. Let's say I'm one jump from Jeta and I'm in a station and I can't remember what kind of things are one jump. St- I know that there's like an SOE one jump from Jita, but it's not within the same region, but let's just pretend it is. So let's say I've got really good SOE standings and I sit in an SOE station and I, put, I do the exact same thing. Of course yeah. S O E. Do I gain that same... Well, I actually only know that because I have to hop over there for my private
2: discovery <laughs> yeah, stuff.
1: So so this is actually something that has existed in the game yes. forever. It's just this, the Citadel brings a highlight to it.
2: Well, for example, if there's a Caldari station in St. Lazon which is a Galenti region, and I have really crap Galenti standing, but I have really good Caldari standing, I can sit in there and place a region by order, And I'll get my Caldari standing as the broker fee. So, yeah, it's a mechanic that's always existed in EVE. um, But it's just that with the Citadel uh, increase in the broker fees, it it makes more of a difference now. I mean, for me, for example, I have really bad JITA standings because I'm bad at EVE. So uh, I pay 2.5% in JITA. So on a Plex, I would normally pay 21 million buy. Sitting in a Citadel, I pay 4 million buy. So it's a significant change in the broker fee for me
4: right uh, but in, in a way this is just an in a way this is just an extension of what already existed though right because it's not like everybody was paying the same broker fee before and now some other people are able to undercut it right If you had your skills trained right and you had standings right, you can get yourself down to a minimum amount before
1: and so actually, this is they're, just they're, an this extension is a service. Really. Well, that was a service before too, because standing services existed, right? So I'm gonna, you know, I'll help you get your standings up in for, for a fee. It's it's kinda the same thing, right? Like yeah. you you uh, as a service, I will help you raise lower your taxes.
2: Yeah, and of course standings still count for the sell side. Uh because you're still selling in JIDA. I'm still paying twenty one million per plex on the sell side in JIDA. It's just on the buy side I'm saving it. Um but it's Yeah, and and the other thing you can do as well is – By the way,
0: that buy side means you buy through a buy
2: order because there was never a tax if you just buy something. Yeah, if you direct buy or sell, you pay no broker fees. This is for orders with a three-month duration or whatever uh, duration you want to put up for it. But the other thing – Yeah, this is just
4: about broker fees.
2: Yeah, it's just about broker fees. Sales taxes aren't affected at all uh, by by, uh, the Citadel's. But the interesting, one of the interesting things you can do as well is um, if you can't dock and you can't use the market in a Citadel, then people can't see the orders outside. So you can't set up a private Citadel and only allow, say, yourself. Like if Dirk wants to set up Dirk's big trade hub just outside Jita and only allow himself to, to trade in it, he can't do that because no one else will be able to see any orders that hit Jita. But what you can do is you can set your own fee to zero, and then set the public fee to 70%, because then no one will come in and use it anyway. But you will still be able to do that. And the cost for a private Citadel like that would be, if you only put a uh, market module on it, it would be around 20 billionesque. And because you save uh, on the broker fees, if you save 2.5 billion per day on a broker fee, um, then you will pay for that Citadel in about eight days. And because of the vulnerability timers, you can set most of the vulnerability timers to be at least six, seven days from when you drop the Citadel, if you do it right. So then you have another 24 hours before your markets go offline. So if you can make back the 20 million in save broker fees in uh, eight days, then you can afford to just cycle through these Citadels. Um, and the, the broker, to save two and a half billion per day, you would need to put through 125 billion which sounds like a lot, but it's not, we're not talking 125 billion profit. We're talking about 125 billion uh, turnover in a day. So say you flip 100 plexes, buying them one at a time. or you, So it's, it's not as bad as it seems.
4: This is wow. why more citadels need to die on a more regular basis out there. Yeah,
2: remember <laughs> so, I said, don't kill the citadels, kill them all. Cedar, are you
1: listening? They, see, happens, they, they every like last one start war
0: decking, like, What happens when you just start
5: war decking all the people building citadels in and around Juda? And you blow them up, and you just basically hold that whole area hostage.
2: Well, yeah. if, you, if you blow them up, then uh, it's, it's... Well, with offshoring, it's fine, because I have no assets in the Citadel, so I just cancel my buy orders and go back to uh, Jeter. It, so it, it just
1: moves it to, like, another location? No, it, it never goes to the Citadel. It never left Jita. She just makes really? the order in yeah, the Citadel. You're making buy orders in the Citadel, but,
3: but the buy but, order range is reaching to Jita. so when people sell stuff to the buy orders in Jita, you're actually buying those, so your yeah. assets are still in
0: Jita. Sorry, but aren't they canceled when some when it goes into Reinforce? Aren't all orders canceled? Uh, uh,
2: the CCP, second that's
5: messed up, yo. <laughs> the,
2: the, the second Reinforce, it goes... much so gangster, uh, so for six days between the second and third uh, reinforce, there is no market. Um, that's why you only have one day once it starts getting attacked wow. um, before it goes offline. And the orders are automatically cancelled if, uh, if it gets exploded. And then you have to wait five days for them to be transferred to asset safety if you have anything there. But that's the point with this offshoring. Like, say, uh, Portbuck decides to come and attack someone's citadel with Karma Fleet. There's four in the in the forge they all have different vulnerability windows. So me as a trader, I can just hop to the next Citadel over. And yeah, man, you, don't need that any,
5: like, you just get like a couple of catalysts, like 50 catalysts, go over there and just pop, pop, pop. Yep.
2: Yeah. I, I will say that all the ones in high sec at the moment, and I'm probably about to make this change, um, they <laughs> haven't been attacked because they've got most of the high sec merc groups on higher with them. So... Uh-oh. It's also worth yeah. noting
1: that these are Fortasars, right? Like yeah, Asker are. houses are kind of pushovers but fortisars are are fairly defensible yeah
2: yeah they are and and they've been up for just over a week now um uh, three of them have and then the fourth uh just went up yesterday so yeah there's and and with the vulnerability timers they'll be at different times during the week so you won't be able to kill them all on the same day um and so that like you can just jump around between them as a trader Okay, well, so, 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 so we know about
4: this. What's the what's the downside? Should people be out there be concerned? Or is this just another one of those things where, you know what, the people who know how to play Eve know about this, take advantage of it, and that gives them an advantage?
2: Well, one of the reasons I did the article for TMC and that I'm do, uh, doing this show about it is that I want basically everyone to trade like this, uh, especially new traders. They can't usually compete against the 10 10 standing guys but with this i mean i can undercut a guy who's got 10 10 standing and i have zero standing in Jida. so it's a four-day train uh from the beginning um from a new character with uh zero implants uh zero remaps It's a four-day train to be able to do this from a citadel so i just want as many traders as possible to do this in as many different locations
3: now, real quick with the standing uh, this is i i i uh, am not a trader i don't know a lot of stuff with the standings but is the stand when you say standings and gita is that specific towards the corporation like towards the caldari navy that owns that trading it's or is uh, it just the caldari Kaldari empire and
2: faction you need to have 10 10 to both to get the uh two percent broker fee
3: well can't you isn't there like those one tags you can buy that will increase your standing
0: couldn't you just buy no. a bunch of those that's only if you're theory. negative
1: yeah, no, that's uh, security yeah. standings. That's, security. That's, okay, not, that's not standings with the corporation. Yeah, it's it yeah, a lot. It's a lot of missions, right? Yeah, the way the way that you generally get your standings up is that you have a mission or slave right. run it. Which I don't even know if that's. Changed. I think you can I mean, pay people to, to run missions you for you. Yeah,
2: you can hire correct. people to run
1: missions. Yeah.
0: So, okay, so you gotta teach experience. me how to do that. <laughs>
1: this brings me to uh somebody explain to ash why he's wrong because this actually brings up a good point which is that i tried to do this the other day and i ran a couple of missions and never mind it looks like it updated and it, t- and it did give me my standings like i ran two missions and there was no standings changed on my on my alt but now that i go back to it i now see the standings. so it might not have updated never mind
2: yeah wow. i think I, I think that for new traders and uh i know port, but is not very happy about uh us high sec traders doing this sort of thing but it's uh I, I think for new traders trying to get into eve uh they can compete on the broker fees for once it, it's irrelevant whether you've got perfect standing whether you've got broker relations five you just need visibility two and day trading two and then you can uh, take on anyone you want in jita
1: i also really like the fact that it's it's really is a who you know situation right
2: like i know Ebra. Yeah. I do know that one of the concerns people have had, and I've heard this thrown about a few times, is how do we know that these citadels aren't set up by goons? How do we know that they're <laughs> not set up by Imperium or PL We'd or whatever? We'd never do something You like don't.
1: Uh, Good luck. No. That would be the biggest troll ever. But, but yeah. No, that's so stupid, though, because it's like, well, how do I know this Galente Ice wasn't mined by goons? Exactly. I can
4: confirm that if you see one of these citadels that is down there and raking in the money, it is owned by Aerith. So if you don't like Aerith, you shouldn't (laughs) use those citadels, people.
0: Aerith is Goon Swarm's finance manager.
2: But I do think something else that's interesting that's happening is traders who are... Traders are developing favorite stations. So, like, there is uh, people who prefer the perimeter one, people who prefer the new Caldari one, and they're reaching deals with the owners of it. Uh, And so... We're seeing, we may start seeing uh, that, for example, a lot of mineral traders prefer the Perimeter Hub, uh, the Perimeter Citadel, and other ones prefer the uh, new Caldari, one for faction modules. It all depends what deals you can make uh, with the owners as well. And that's what people are saying. They're saying, you know, I'm paying them broker fees. Like, I'm a low-scale trader, and I'm paying 200 million a day in broker fees or so to uh, one of the Citadels. And they're making on average uh, three billion or so per day, and this is with very low take up so far, with like uh, eleven people in there at max in the citadels, and you know four to five people in there at any given time.
0: That is amazing that they have preferences in citadels. I guess it's closer to where they actually work or something.
2: Well, it's it's more what they're being offered. It's Uh. uh, you go to the owner and you say, okay, I put I do uh, ten billion a day, twenty billion a day. What can you offer me to come to your citadel?
0: This is amazing gameplay. That I don't know if CCP was aware this was going to happen, but oh. it's it's amazing.
4: Are we gonna are we gonna come back a year from now? Um, let's see. Here today is uh, May twenty seventh. So May twenty seventh, somewhere around that time, twenty seventeen, we can come back and we can cry about the people who own these citadels and how they financed a war against somebody else out there. And it'll be the it'll totally be the different trade hub citadel war.
0: No, totally different no, because, no. because this is in the con. This is inside the game.
2: I I think as well, like, uh, what traders aren't going to undock and fight for a Citadel, but the question becomes, if, say, me and five or six other people are sitting in a Citadel and someone attacks it, are we prepared to bankroll the owner in order to uh, defend what we consider our home, or are we just going to up and move to the next Citadel that offers us the next best deal?
5: See, I think that's really cool emerging gameplay to an extent. I think the the only issue I have is, like, you should actually have to dock somewhere that you sell your goods. Like, you shouldn't just, like, be able to go to an NPC station in Dita, list your goods, and whatever Citadel is giving you the best rates. Like, you should actually have to go there and dock there, because then you have, like, the physical element of having to move it there and get caught and run up on the undock with, like, 50 bill worth of injectors. I mean... Well, well that's, that's if- I mean,
2: range, region trading's always been a thing. I can modify and list uh, orders at uh, region range, so I can reach... Uh, however many jumps is in region and open my assets and list something on the market. Sure. So this is, not, this is not a new thing. This has always been there. Um, it's just the Citadel's thing is... Yeah, it's it's taking it to the extreme with avoiding the taxes because there's never been that big difference between the taxes before. And to answer the uh, alcoholic in chat, there are uh, Citadel's... Heck, is unfortunately not so much of a trade hub anymore. Um, but... Oh. Um, uh, Amar has uh, three Fortizars, I think, and though Dixie's got two, one jump out of it uh, in Botane. Uh, Amar has them in Ashab, Agessi, and somewhere else that I can't remember. But they are springing up. It's just getting people to uh, move to them.
1: It's a moment of silence heck, for heck. Yeah. Jita G- <laughs> actually has. In the game. Three- Jita has three Fortizars within one jump, uh, according to the structure yeah, browser does. right now. It does,
2: yeah. I, I think we've got a fourth, three jumps out. And I'm actually sitting three jumps out on one character because I like the quieter chat. There's like five people in local instead of all the shit you get in Jita chat and perimeter <clears throat> in the surrounding areas.
1: Oh, my God. You get to avoid Jita G- chat. That's like a reason in and of itself. Oh, to do man. It. Yeah. That's good.
2: Yeah. That's pretty good. That's
0: and no Jita
1: chat. Yeah. I'm sitting
2: there. Like do it in, in Rens.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: I think of Ranz's Acapulco is kind of hot in the '70s. Like, it just feels sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: people, the main thing that people are not sure about is that they don't like funding other players. But really, when you buy my stuff off the market, you're funding me. You know, when you sell to my buy orders, you're funding me anyway. If you're worried about who you're funding, then you probably should never interact with another player and just trash all your stuff after you get it uh, yeah, that's and a just non-issue. do missions.
0: Um. Uh, do we know who's next after us before we wrap up here? I,
4: I saw I you put in Canadian. I, I think he is, but uh, uh, he didn't answer is so we don't know what he's playing. If he's yeah, up. well,
0: I'll tell you what: we're going to go up to the hour, and then we'll say goodbyes. And uh, you think you think that's okay? to go like five minutes over since we started late.
4: Well, yeah. it's not his fault that we started yeah. late. It's, it yeah. was yeah. your fault. At
0: oh, I'm not punishing him. I'm just saying if he hasn't answered, like, how can I throw it to him uh, if he's he not ready?
3: schedule on uh, for after us. So he is okay. All right, he was All in right. chat a while ago.
4: Got,
0: he, is, he, is, ah, he is. Okay, there he is. There he is. Now, All so. right. yep. so I just uh, wasted another minute. Sorry, River, go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to answer uh, Eric in chat. Uh, he's asked if it costs me more to move three jumps instead of one. Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, it just opens up the number of stations you can get sold to in. Um, but the Forge has really very few stations outside of JETA. I mean, I've been trading there for a week now and I've had six items total sold to me um, that weren't in JETA. I had uh, a Plex sold to me in Perimeter, so I just listed it back on the market and someone picked it up. And I had uh, a Paladin and some other uh, two ships sold to me in uh, the Jida uh, 5 uh, business tribunal place. So I just flew over there, got my DST, and moved it back into Jida 4-4. Um, but I can just list it again. The other hubs, you do get more of a problem because if you do a three-jump thing in Dixie, people will sell to you from everywhere. So the forge is kind of special. Um, a shab in Amar also works the same way.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, before we wrap up, can I ask you a question about the plex wall that happened uh, when the taxes changed? Do you know what? Uh, can you give us a quick quick update on that?
2: Yeah. Um, the plex wall was actually pulled down today. Uh, ProBags canceled that. He got through about 48% of the uh, plex wall. But with the broker fees, uh, he's been calculating... Different ways. Now he can sit in a Citadel and have 0.2 broker fees, oh. um, which is what he had before. So he can just do the same thing again from a Citadel now instead of doing it in Jeter. Um But he's actually looking into other markets that he's going to start playing around with uh, now. So you'll probably hear more from him soon.
0: Hmm. Uh, the Plex Wall was an article that was written in TMC and, and it talks about a guy that put up a gigantic wall of Plex that people would have to buy through and I think it was at 950 and then later at $850 million, and that allowed the, a break. So when the Plex was free falling, it would hit his wall and they would have to buy through all of his Plex which were many, many, many Plex and by doing that, he was making a fortune. Do we know how much money he
2: ended up making? Uh, last I spoke to him, and I haven't got the final numbers, it was around 250000000000 billion he'd made since the patch off of a $70 billion investment. So that's not bad. And he was away on vacation for a week, um, and he was only playing a couple of hours a day.
0: So all that money was made um, just by calculating the difference in tax when he uh, – it gets yes. complicated. There's an article on TMC about it, so go ahead and read that for more information. All right, let's go into our last uh, section, which is giving everybody a chance to get on the podium and say uh, what they want about anything, good or bad. And let's start with uh, Dirk. You never like to start, uh, so <laughs> you want to go I, last? I
4: don't know. I don't, have I don't have anything to say, so you can just move on to somebody else's uh, name.
0: Oh, we'll come back to you then. Um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe we don't have anything to say. I don't know. Uh, let's go with Rivra.
2: Yeah, come to Citadel and start avoiding the CCP taxes.
4: Stick it to the main Isle of man.
0: Yeah. Drayton, do you, you have anything you want to single out? Uh,
3: yeah. Uh, E-Vegas is in 22 weeks from now, starting <laughs> today.
0: It's always a crowd pleaser. But you know what? The truth is, things are selling out, so you may want to look into it quickly.
1: Mm. No. Ash? Yeah, I just want to highlight uh, Tambor uh, and uh, the Calvary Prime Pony Club. Uh, for those of you who do not know, uh, Tamber has worked on a project that is now going to be known as Creator Studio. Um, he does—he made the website, uh, which allows you to basically render any spaceship in Eve in any nebula with any back with any skin or do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, a lot of the really cr- clever uh, visual visual work that you see from a lot of content creators outside of Eve um, come directly from his tools. And he is working to create the Creator Studio and there is a fundraiser up uh, to, to help him go through that process. So at the very least, you should head on over to the Calvary Prime Pony Club and check out the stuff that he's got there. Uh, Check out his creator studio link, which I think is still on like the first page of our Eve today. Um, And, you know, it's not too difficult to find. The the work is visually stunning, and I think it's a really good thing. So, you know, even if it's just to let other people know about it, or even if it's just finding it yourself, so that way you can make some cool stuff uh, for your own corp. um, You know, content, good, cool content to look at for Eve. Uh, is it, what's really, it's all about, right? So uh, I just wanted to highlight that and kind of showcase it as something that I really love about, about Eve and, and his work in particular.
0: All right, uh, Marconius, and we'll ha- give Stephen the last word or a second. Not Let's a sponsor. <laughs> what? Mar- Marconius, you have anything? Uh, yeah. What? Uh, good morning. <laughs> 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 Hi, guys. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah.
6: You eve everybody loves everybody. About these
5: eve nerds is <laughs>
6: I get older,
5: they always stay the same age.
0: <laughs> oh, that's deep. Uh, Steven, thanks. To, to, yeah, I mean, how like, am I supposed to follow
6: that? I don't yeah. know. Like, you can try.
5: Um,
0: okay,
6: I got something. So, as an investigative journalist, don't you think it's just a little bit suspicious that weeks after Iceland was embroiled in a tax evasion controversy, now that Yvonne Line is embroiled in the same type of controversy? <laughs> you would say that. Connect do. the dots, people.
0: <laughs> Stop being shit. It's cheap. all Trump.
6: Yeah. <laughs> PCP is run by the
0: president of Iceland. Derek, do uh, you have anything you want to point out or anything?
4: No? I mean, I talk no. about You had a great show on. The open comms show, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, I mean. Open comms was really funny. If you guys didn't see it, go back uh, to yesterday on uh, the matani.com past videos and look up uh, open Coms. last show was really funny. Was, uh back like the old days. It was just, uh, it had really good uh, jokes all the way through. And Dirk, your timing was amazing.
4: It's the alcohol, man. Instant, instant good timing.
0: There's like, a, there's like a little bit of a I'm balance there. <laughs> yeah, totally. Until you go off the cliff. Was
1: it Balmer's Peak?
0: <laughs> All right, uh, I'll wrap up the show. Thanks everybody for coming and joining us, especially uh, Stephen. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Can you sign uh, my boobs in FanFest? <laughs> yeah.
6: I will be signing boobs in Vegas, so come back. Well, there. there'll,
0: there'll be plenty there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boobs. guys. That does, that does it for us. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Later on in recruiting. <laughs> nice sneak in.